2: Hello, everybody. Welcome to the what Culture Gaming podcast. I'm your host, Scott Tilford, joined by Josh Brown.
3: Hello, Scott Telford. Hello,
2: Josh Brown. I'll probably need you for the Untitled Banter podcast later in the week because everyone's off right now. They're all away. What a lovely thing to drop on
3: my lap right now.
2: That's really nice to look forward to. Thank you <laughs> very much. Do a nice little, little trifecta of the JB-ST combo. You can't really go wrong.
3: I have one day off and I miss you so bad. I need to do all three <laughs> podcasts. It's just the way it is. We need
2: to sit in this small room and sweat our asses off as we cover all the various news stories doing the rounds in-game.
3: Coming. I'm in shorts, my friend. I'm not sweating my ass off I right need to, now. I need
2: to commit to shorts. I've got shorts at the house, but I don't feel like I can. I, I don't wear them out in public that much.
3: I never used to, you know, mm. until a few years ago. I think it was probably during the pandemic where I just lived in shorts <laughs> forever, and then decided shorts are good. Shorts
2: <laughs> are very good. To be fair, I also lived in a lot, a lot of shorts during the pandemic. I, yeah, three quarter shorts. I'm a big fan of more knee length shorts. Not for me. Ah, uh, can't see, pull them
3: off. I there was a there was a there was a Fast significant enough. turning point in my life. Mm. When where I stopped wearing three quarters and started getting as shorts as high as I can. Not right. because i got particularly good legs or mm. anything, just, you do. I don't know, there's something about it covering my knees. I don't mm. like the way it feels. If I can feel shorts
2: rubbing oh, against okay. the
3: knee. Something about that. Uh,
2: hilariously, in classic us fashion, go check out the Winder podcast. I'm the complete opposite. I want my knees to be covered. Well,
3: you know what? It's funny what mm. makes you feel secure, isn't it? Because <laughs> I like wearing long sleeves. I don't know why, I just feel a bit more secure in myself and mm. secure leaving the house than I do with my elbows <laughs> on display and uncovered. It's strange,
2: right? Whereas I will roll the Sleeves up. To oh, of as course if, you do. To as if imitate the short sleeved original,
3: which is hilarious. Another difference between you and I. I well, yeah, we
2: do have gaming topics to get to can't we? in Lords as well. Yeah, we shouldn't be wasting loads. this time.
3: I'm a big <laughs> proponent um, of. If, if I'm rolling my sleeves up, uh-huh.
1: just below the elbow. I do like that. Above the,
2: that the just Just uh, below the elbow, like the halfway down the forearm feels like the three-quarter length approach to the sleeve you know, that, the, that, that yeah. the pants have, yeah. And now I'm a fan of the three-quarters, regardless of whether it's upper or lower body. Anyway, video games doing the rounds. Video games are very much kicked in. We did a wind up on this um, on Tuesday by the time these podcasts roll out. Um, yesterday it might be by the time this goes live. I don't know what day it is, but we'll, we did stuff. We talked about it. Things are back, gaming's happening last quarter of 2023. In full flow. And I'll tell you who's not in full flow. It's Charles Martinet stepping down. Who's he voiced there, Josh? I,
3: I had a genuine fright, right? Because I thought you were going to tell me he was dead. Like when you he said, was trending, you, I
2: was like, oh, my God, no. The
3: way you went into that, I thought, wait, have I misjudged? <laughs> I thought he had <you'd> just retired. <laughs> oh, I really had to but brace still, myself for a second there. But still, he's,
2: he still hasn't retired. He's just he's changed oh, yes. jobs. So um, Charles Martin, a legendary iconic voice actor of Mario ever since Mario 64, is uh, changing roles. He'll no, he will no longer be voicing Mario. And also the reveal, retroactive reveal, that it wasn't even him in the Super Mario Wonder trailer. It was whoever this new person is. Right. And we don't know who that is. Um, um, but swapping out Charles Martinet as uh, Mario also means that you need to swap out Wario and Luigi. And um, there's like a couple of others that he does as well. What well, Wario? He like, he pretty much does everybody, to be fair.
3: I know this isn't confirmed. Yes. Complete speculation on my part. But do you think they'll do a... Do you Pratt. think they'll... <laughs> <laughs> do you think they'll James Earl Jones him? Because James Earl Jones, if you don't know, is the voice of Darth Vader. Yes, And in the recent Obi-Wan Kenobi TV show... Darth Vader was obviously involved, so they mm-hmm. needed James Earl Jones, but it wasn't his voice. It was but it like was an AI, voice was an AI yeah, voice oh, pack of no. his. Do you think they'll do something similar for Mario?
2: I I I wouldn't put it past Nintendo. Um I just I hope not. I really hope not. The thing is, I mentioned Charles Martin is changing roles. Um, not, he's not going to be voicing or doing voice work anymore, but he is going to be literally the Mario ambassador. That's his new title. Um, apparently, he'll still be visiting various countries, doing fan conventions and doing things on behalf of Mario and Nintendo. So you have to assume that because he's sticking around in some capacity, he's not therefore backing an AI voice pack of his former self. Maybe not. I yeah. have to hope that they've got a human in um, to be someone. Like I said, the proof's already kind of out there that Mario will continue, like Mario Wonder. Sounds great. Um, And they've got whoever this new person is. Yeah, I I still wouldn't put it past Nintendo. I'm just hoping that because Martin is there and um, because, you know, it's still Shigeru Miyamoto at the top, he doesn't want his baby to be voiced by AI, at least yet.
3: I mean, look, I'm so pleased that he's still around in some capacity, by the way. Absolute legend of the game. Mm -hmm. And from a pure personal perspective now... I actually didn't think about Mario being voiced at all until this year, <laughs> in last year, when you were talking about the Super Mario Brothers movie. And obviously everyone was like, well, we should just get the original oh, actor it's not that, uh, They should just get the original actor back. Yeah. And until then, until you explained it to me, I hadn't realized that it was the same person. I thought it was like oh. just some other some people that they got in to do the voice, kind of like how, you know, <laughs> Kermit the Frog obviously has an identifiable voice, but it's not being the same guy for the entire run. Like, no. you can tell when they changed it up. Mm-hmm. Same with, like, you know, I don't know, Shaggy from Scooby-Doo in yes. the animated shows. I don't know, it's 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 it's, it's ignorance on my part, because I take voice acting in that regard for granted when you shouldn't, because there are mm-hmm. really talented people behind them. Well, and he... that's the moral of the story that I'm trying to make here: yes. that if you... If you are like me and you kind of take those things for granted and you don't appreciate them, get them appreciated. Yeah,
2: well, that's a, that's why Charles Martin is a humongous deal. Like you know, dude's been the voice of Mario since Mario sixty four. He's the happiest man alive, like so up for doing all the fan conventions and meeting people and interviews and everything else. Absolutely loves his life, um, and has been one of the reasons that the character of Mario has persisted for so long. Um, I think I'm just shooting from the hip with this, but I have to imagine he's the uh, longest-serving legacy voice actor. Right. Like he's that Mario has to be the longest-serving voiced character in gaming history, and um, with one actor because um, we have hardly ever had any voice roles before 1996 or whatever it was anyway.
3: Again, forgive my ignorance mm. on this question. I, I mean it like in, f- with full sincerity, yeah. but like similar characters, you know, if I'm talking, I know Link doesn't have no. voice lines, but you know, like the, the performance behind that, the oofs and the whatnots. Okay. Same with like, you know, Pikachu, the performance of Pikachu, you know, like those few lines, those those grunts and uh-huh. whatnot, are uh-huh. all those by the same person? <sighs>
2: Well, they're not all by Charles Martin, eh? No, I know, I
3: know, but like, but is it a similar situation where it's been uh... one person behind all of those iconic sounds for years and years, or...
2: If it is, they're nowhere near as well-known. Okay. Like um because, I think, because Link is a mute character, there's no one associated as Link's voice actor, although yeah. there will be someone, some sound engineer, who just has to do a bit of Foley work and punch themselves in the chest every now and then. Yeah. Um, Pikachu, I don't know. They've never really... I don't know who the voice of Pikachu is. Um, I don't know. It's just that when it comes to the overall Nintendo properties, um, Martin, always stood out because 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 he was like such a larger-than-life character, and then Mario's one of the only like protagonists that's voiced anyway. No one's trying to voice Kirby or anything. He does little. He does little sound effects every now and then. Well,
3: this is it. I've played so little Mario that like they're they're in the same ballpark to me, even though they're probably not. It just got me thinking. You know, if if I'd taken this for granted for so many years,
2: how many other voice actors have I maybe taken? uh,
3: what I mean yeah. say,
2: for granted. Right. I'm leaping in here because I'm loving this too much, but it's one of those things where we are talking about a selection of sound effects. There's very few full phrases that Charles Martinet has done. We are talking about just how much of a, a big deal he is and how active he's been in the community um, and in gaming history that allowed a Mario voice role to be a much bigger deal than a Kirby voice role yeah. or a Pikachu voice role um, when if you really boil down the amount of things that they've said like Mario still takes that but um, yeah we're still talking about Wahoos and Yahoo's and a couple of little things exactly right um, a couple of lines that he occasionally says when he beats a boss or something and
3: that makes it more special I think <laughs> the fact that someone can you know take what is on the surface um, quite limited material mm-hmm. and like you said make something iconic out of it mm-hmm. make it so it is so definable and recognisable he said
2: okey dokey, and it went down in history
3: and certainly did. It took a lot of <laughs> talent to do that. Genuinely, it is really, really impressive.
2: I love, genuinely, absolutely adore Charles Martinet. And uh, yeah, man's not listening to this podcast, but a massive thank you to every, to him for everything that he's done. Um, yeah, we'll get through as many questions. Uh, story... News stories this as we can. 4 p.m. recording this. Yeah, it certainly is. As my brain shuts down. But the next uh, news story is Walking Dead: Destinies doing the rounds. This is a choice-based action game remixing the original seasons of the show. Weird. This weirdly intriguing, like a third-person shooter uh, action thing. But the bits in the story where certain pivotal moments happen that were in the TV show, like for example, uh, Rick surviving instead of Shane. Shane surviving instead of Rick. Okay, but Rick. No, in this though, yeah, yeah, you flip it. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah, in yeah. the in the game, you would go into those scenes and you can flip. It so the different realities happen and timelines happen and whatever. What do you what do you make of this as a Walking Dead man?
3: Honestly, right. Sometimes mm. you see a game and you think that's probably going to be bad, but I can't wait to play it. <laughs> the Walking Dead Destinies has suddenly shot up my most anticipated of the okay. year list. It looks janky as hell. It looks like it didn't <laughs> have much of a budget behind it, mm-hmm. but the core idea of what you just described the ability to, the ability to go through those first four seasons and impact the story, and remix the story, and change outcomes, to me as a huge Walking Dead fan, that is music to my ears. And I don't doubt, and I, I don't want to write the game off before I've played it, but just looking at it, I can't imagine... That the caliber of the storytelling for the alternate (laughs) scenarios is going to be all that There's no way they can make it work. Even in like the trailer that kind of showed off, you know, the core concept of what if Shane survived Mm. instead of Rick. It's just Shane doing the exact same same lines that Rick got. So it doesn't (laughs) seem like it's going to diverge all that much, but Mm. it's still an interesting novelty. I kind of wonder why they're only doing the first four seasons. I know that's a lot Mm. of story to cover, but I I laughed a little bit because season four ends on a cliffhanger. And to me, it would make more sense almost to do five or at least go into five to the point where you reach Alexandria because Mm. in the comics and the show, it it becomes a completely different beast at that point. Um, But... I like The Walking Dead, Scott Tilford. I'm going to buy The Walking Dead Saints and Sinners, and currently in the PlayStation sale is the other first-person shooter Walking Dead game mm-hmm. that um, got really slated and nobody liked. Survival instinct? I think that is what it was right. called. The one
2: where you play as Dan, uh, and thingy? Yeah, you oh. play as
3: Rick. Um, no, this is a different one. It's oh. one where you play, uh, I think it's called The Walking Dead Onslaught or something right, right like okay. that. You play as Rick, Michonne, and Daryl, right. I think. Um, and I'm going to buy that because it's five pounds, and I want to consume all The Walking Dead meat Media in the world, so The Walking Dead Destiny's well up my street. It just is a seems glutton for punishment. Sometimes a game comes out that kind of appears to be made just for me, and this absolutely is one.
2: <laughs> I uh, yeah, I haven't uh, watched Walking Dead since the first three or four seasons, whatever the governor was in season four. Well, there you go. This is
3: exactly in your ballpark, right? When uh, you stop
2: watching. I think if they end up coming up with some really cool remixing story mechanic system that actually pays off those choices, then cool. But if it's like home-based style... I can just imagine it being home-based style level bits, like in between the main levels, and you just walk up to the the Shane NPC instead of the Rick NPC. Yeah, yeah. But no one else acknowledges that anything's different and whatever.
3: This is why I find it so fascinating because they've described it as an adventure game rather Mm. than a shooter, right? Which obviously the Telltale Walking Dead games were adventure games, but Mm -hmm. they were of such a high quality, and they were set in the um, comic book um, universe rather than the show Uh universe. So I find it funny that you're going to have this show tie-in doing a semi-Telltale sort of approach to the material, and it looks nowhere near as polished. (laughs) It looks more gimmicky. It looks more like a novelty. But um, there's something about that. I don't know about you, but sometimes all it takes... For a video game adaptation to attract me is to give me characters and locations that like look authentic. Just You're talking the, to a Sonic fan. <laughs> yeah, so, you go. yeah, just from the gameplay that I saw where they're walking around the prison, I thought, <laughs> yep, that looks like the prison from the show. I wanna I walk just, around there.
2: I can't I just can't believe Walking Dead is still going. You like know, it's still a
3: thing they um, are pushing it more than ever man I know. the Daryl Dixon spinoff is just about to start Ugh. we had the Maggie and Negan spinoff we're gonna get the Rick and Michonne spinoff next year Jesus Christ. they are making the Walking Dead universe a thing whether you want it to be a thing or not does Scott. anyone want that no even I don't and no. I've watched all of it you know what I mean like That's I love so. the show but I don't want all of this stuff especially no. unless it's, unless they're gonna up the kind of quality of
2: the product I just I remember when I don't think you were ever like a big friends fan. But when they Okay, when they when they made the Joey show. Yeah. This is just like doing Joey's for everything. Where it's just like, I don't want a bunch of Joeys. Uh, it's see, it is and it isn't, right? Yeah. Because yeah, it is just
3: trying to franchise it, obviously. Mm. It's quite cynical in a lot of ways. But the core show became such a shadow of its former self Mm. by the end that to be honest, the way forward probably is taking certain characters and giving them their own storylines. Like I'm really looking forward to the Rick one, even though I've been disappointed by the show so much.
2: Didn't he die?
3: He got ugh, he got swept away. <laughs> he got written out of the show, <laughs> and he didn't die. What does that mean? What does
2: that mean? He got swept away.
3: If you would like to know the specifics and spoilers for season eight or nine Actually, of the Walking I just don't know how he got so, swept sorry. away. So Rick has built a bridge, right? <laughs> He's built a bridge. Yeah but the zombies are coming (laughs) from and hilariously like Joel in the walking dead. Uh He's fallen on a bit of rebar. So he's got a puncture. Always a bit of rebar. Always a bit of rebar in the post-apocalyptic world. Hilarious. Um, and he has to choose between blowing up this bridge that he's just built to take out all these zombies or kind of let them into the community. So he blows up the bridge, he explodes, but he doesn't die. Instead, he gets swept downstream and then picked up by a helicopter and literally swept away at that point, swept away to who knows where. We're going to find out in oh, the so he's TV not, show.
2: The water doesn't sweep him away. Well,
3: initially it did. Right. So then he gets picked up. Right. And then he gets carted out via okay. helicopter. But everyone thinks he's dead, and everyone starts spends years looking for him because they can't find a body. Right. And then later on, they find his boots, which is hilarious. So some people think he's alive, and then they go looking for him. It's really <laughs> convoluted. They just <laughs> Andrew Lincoln, the actor, wanted out.
2: I remember seeing that yeah. that he was like,
3: "Can I just get out?" He was this, like, "He was essentially like Can was I just get his... out?'"
2: his casting agent flying in to yeah. get him from the yeah.
3: set. Please, I want to go spend time with my family, but I quite like the show. I want to do something in the future. Leave boots, mate, and we'll yeah. let you go. Literally, yeah. let's leave it open-ended. So they circled around that for the rest of the show and now <laughs> we're finally getting answers to that question. It's a uh, th- Being invested in The Walking Dead will um, lead to nothing but disappointment. Well, that's why I got out. It's it. I feel like a wrestling fan. You know, mm. So many wrestling fans, especially, particularly WWE fans that I talk to in this office, <laughs> talk about like the painful years they've experienced. And because I've gone through similar ups and downs with The Walking Dead. I feel like
2: I can relate. I, yeah, now you're speaking my language. I mean, more AEW, but still, yeah. it's. I just can't believe The Walking Dead has survived so much, yeah. like, ironically, for the, the state of the IP and everything. But, yeah, they're doing Walking Dead Destinies, which will let you remix various... Uh, Scenes and things from the first few seasons themselves. I want to quickly touch on the fact that Starfield gameplay has leaked. Um, Josh, you haven't watched this, which is completely fair. Um, and I haven't watched that much of it, but there's a 40-minute uh, clip of Starfield two in the rounds, just raw gameplay. Someone just sitting playing it in their apartment. Don't know how they got a code. Wow. Don't know who it is. Yeah. Um, it was uploaded this morning, UK time was about 8 a.m. Um, so me and the main channels, Adam Strawn sat and watched quite a bit of it. Just only, literally only because and it's the only thing I'm going to pass on here. No, obviously no story spoilers at all. I just wanted to know if it ran well. Hmm. I just need. To know what are they shipping? Does that have a solid frame rate? Does it seem like it moves well? Yes, yes, it nice. does. There's a reason to be excited <laughs> on that level. I was only waiting for that thing to be confirmed, and because they haven't done any sit down. Um, you know, like launch day code versions of this uh, gameplay demos. I just wanted to know if it ran well. Um, and can report that thankfully the engine seems like it's um, shaping up very well. Still very much Creation Engine, um, but the lighting effects are really cool. Third person, first person action seem really really smooth. Um, and it seems like when you play in third person, there's way more animation, um, you know, in, uh, in implemented to convey a sense of momentum and weight and stuff. There's a really cool way that your character seems to like pivot round cover and move on the spot, not unlike Max Payne Three, which is oh, something that me and you, you, you talk about. All the time. Yeah, you're speaking my language here. Yeah. If, you,
3: if it even comes close to Max Payne 3, <laughs> we are uh, looking at a game of the year material. My Only friend.
2: in terms of the way that the dude seems to shift his little hips, but um, <laughs> but I was loving those hips, and so it's yeah, it's one of those things where just to sort of allay fears a couple of weeks out before launch, and I'm sure we'll see more of it as we record this. Games is in a few hours, so maybe it'll be there as well. Um, but yeah, Starfield hopefully is going to actually live up to everything. Also, it looks gorgeous.
3: I hope so. I mean, as you know, it's my most anticipated game of the year. And- And hilariously, um, the day all of this has happened, I got a message from my friend Mm. who has a PlayStation 5 but loves Bethesda's stuff, particularly Fallout. Mm. And he was asking, like, what should I get, a Series S or a Series X to play Starfield? Like, Mm -hmm. he's buying a console to play Starfield. And part of me was thinking... I hope this doesn't let you down. I hope this isn't a buggy <laughs> launch. I hope it doesn't, like, go wrong like Fallout 76 d- did. Mm-hmm. Because I'm there saying, you should buy a Series X. You should future-proof yourself. You, you live all these franchises mm-hmm. that Xbox own. You might as well do it. But I'm thinking, man, like, taking a risk on Starfield, I can see why people would. I'm so excited mm-hmm. for it, but... Just based on Bethesda's track record, it's a it's a big investment if you oh, are dude, getting totally. the console um, just for that game. Mm-hmm.
2: And I'm the guy saying that I've not been impressed by Bethesda since Skyrim. So it's like, it's a, for me, it, it goes way back. And one of the things, last thing to throw in about Starfield is that the facial animation is way better than what they've shown so far. Um, it does look weird because, um, I mean, I was just jumping through this 40-minute thing. I wanted to avoid story stuff. I just wanted to see just gameplay, um, just maybe a couple, couple of bits of conversation or something. Um, and a lot of their faces, because they're talking through space helmets, look yeah. like they've pushed their face against glass just to sort of like flatten it out and fill out the hole for helmet. That looks weird. Right. Um, but still kind of funny and almost endearing in a way. Um, but yeah, in terms of actual like lip sync and just like the general sort of, um, the idle animations they have while you pick your dialogue and stuff, all that just seems really strong. Um, so I'm just, I'm back on the, the, the yeah. Starfield hype train. Um, I was the biggest doubter and I still largely am until we can actually played it ourselves. Um, but yeah, that leaked footage actually convinced me more than anything they've done in the marketing. This
3: is great. It's good to have you on the train with me <laughs> on the passenger side of my best friend's ride. You know, it's yeah. amazing
2: stuff. <laughs> is that a song? It is a song. Yeah, is I wouldn't song. have known. I thought you was just busting out the rhymes.
3: Oh, I wish I I wish I invented those. You could have just
2: done it. Um next news thing down is Keanu Reeves apparently being in Death Stranding too. Now this only comes from Hideo Kojima sharing various pictures of himself, Norman Reedus, and Keanu Reeves over on Instagram. But every time he does that, they're either in the game he's making. <laughs> I mean, when are they not in the game he's making? They're either gonna be a main character or someone that you deliver something to. Um so assumedly Keanu Reeves is gonna pop up in Death Stranding Two. What do you think? You know
3: that meme where the guy I think he might be in class in these He's kind of straining, and he looks like he's, like... Oh, he's got the veins He's got the veins <laughs> going. No, I imagine that was <laughs> Kojima when he realized another studio got an A-list actor that he hadn't already worked with. <laughs> so I imagine the moment that Keanu Reeves stepped out on Microsoft's stage at E3 he to announce him. that he was in uh, Cyberpunk, he was like, get me his agent <laughs> now. We need to collaborate on a game. I mean, everyone's in the original Death Stranded, yeah. like... You've got the big-name actors like Leia Sadú who play major characters. You've got Norman Reedus. Then you've got a bunch of cameos from like Conan O'Brien and Edgar Jordan Wright. Jordan Vogt-Roberts. Yeah, yeah. It makes total sense to get Keanu Reeves, who obviously really seems up for video game um, content right now mm-hmm. to get him involved. And I can see um, him playing... I mean, I hope it's more than a cameo. I hope it's like an actual character he mm-hmm. gets to play because mm-hmm. I genuinely think he is pretty amazing in Cyberpunk. Mm-hmm. So I'd love to see him as like a villain Yes. Uh, maybe an anti-hero character in this world. I I would love to see Norman Reedus actually go up against him and act opposite him in the game but even if it is just a cameo and even if he is if he does just turn up as one of the uh, holograms mm-hmm. that that would still be fun what
2: if um because we've seen the Death Stranding 2 trailer so far and again there might be more at Gamescom um, what if that dude who looks like the new version of Higgs what if that's Keanu Reeves the Ooh. guy with the guitar because then it's like then it's more yeah. like his Johnny Silverhand character and Keanu Reeves plays guitar he certainly does that would be really shout out to Dogstar by the way that band awesome that's his band Right? Yeah, Is yeah.
3: That he, he play, does he sing it now? No, guitar? no, he's the
2: bassist, I think. Oh. Um but it's definitely his band. They um they've got a couple of new singles out on Spotify, not sponsored by them, but mm-hmm. I'm just there, uh, they were on my release radar, so I started listening to. Them. I was like, Oh Kyoto Reeves band's awesome to be honest.
3: Maybe um for Death and two. Hmm it's going to be that band who soundtracks most of the thing. <laughs> they are just like, yeah, Keanu, we'll get you in, and we'll sign your band Just get a little and... raw
2: featuring Keanu Reeves. Yeah, they'll um, But yeah, overall, Hideo Kojima very much playing A-list celebrity Pokemon with every single person so far. So it makes sense for Keanu Reeves to be in there. But like you said, I hope he's a main character. I kind of want him to fight Troy Baker, be Troy Baker, <laughs> do something that means he's more regular than just the face that pops up and we deliver stuff to him.
3: It seems like, I mean, we're talking about Death Stranding um probably knowing that we're, getting a new trailer mm. tonight, so hopefully this isn't too outdated by the time you guys listen to this tomorrow, post come, <laughs> But, like, the stuff they're doing, seemingly, with time in this game, you know, like, they showed do's character, I th- I'm pretty sure, without the scarring that she had in the first yeah, game. Yeah. Obviously, Norman Reedus is older, and a lot of people think that Elf Fanning's character is playing um, the baby from the first game. Yes. So it's like, where did, in the timeline does this take place? Are we seeing different versions of these characters? Are we seeing characters grown up? Are we seeing mm. different interpretations of them? Are we seeing timey-wimey stuff, essentially? Because, obviously, you've got literal time fall in the first game. The rain accelerates aging. Mm-hmm. Are we going to see yet uh, that element explored? I'm not entirely sure, I guess. But at the same time, we'll see.
2: something must have happened to to de-age as well for the sake of Fragile, and then you've got, like, maybe, yeah, yeah, like, aging up. If Elle Fanning is playing um, Lou or whatever, then maybe you, like, use the rain to get her to an age. I don't even know.
3: And obviously you've got, like, the... When you you can, like, plug in, essentially, to, like, different dimensions Mm. of reality in that game. Like, you spend so many time, so many moments in... Someone's memory in the original Death Stranding. Like, are we doing more of that? Are we? I
2: have blanked entirely on that. What
3: you know, uh, Mads Mickelson's character. Yes, like you were uh, kind of played different versions of his memories. You yes. get when when, he, when Sam Porter Bridges plugs into Lou, you get. F- Flashbacks of what they saw as yes. a baby. So I
2: thought you meant when you deliver packages, you like the little oh, the no. people you
3: deliver to. Right, got you. No, no, no. I just mean like you kind of you jump around the timeline a little bit.
2: That's trying was a fever dream. It
3: absolutely was, both in an abstract way and both in a literal way mm. by getting into memories. The point is that they've messed around with time stuff before, and I wonder if they double down on that.
2: Yeah, that'd be cool. I just the fact that the footage that they've shown off so far already seems way more over the top and dreamlike and whatever. There's floating rocks in the background of one of the shots that they showed. Um, seemed like a procession, like a religious procession of characters or something in that particular scene like in the gameplay teaser stuff so I think I mean you're Hideo Kojima you keep getting given blank checks I think you're just going to keep going all out yeah like it just seems like he's living his best life at the minute um, and putting all of his influences into gameplay and um, the Metal Gear Solid Master Collection will apparently only be 1080 by 60 over on Series X and PlayStation 5 that being 1080p resolution in 60 frames a second it'll be 1080 by 30 on Switch docked and 720p by 30 frames a second handheld thoughts on this a bit disappointing the Master Collection. To be honest, better than I expected because mm. when I woke up this morning, the rumour doing the rounds was that
3: it was going to be 720p and I thought that is <laughs> outrageous. You it's not so of- Final Fantasy 16, is <laughs> it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, yeah. I was like, you cannot do this to me, Mr. Konami, please. Give me a nice, satisfying uh, package of Metal Gear Solid games. 1080p is still disappointing though. Like, I just don't want to settle for lazy ports. Mm. You know, we've just had the Red Dead Redemption port drop for 50 pounds mm-hmm. in the UK, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just kind of don't want to see that become the standard. If you're bringing back a iconic franchise like this, I'd like to see a little bit more done under the hood. I don't want to see like, you know, massive remaster level uh, approaches to each game, mm-hmm. but you know everything up and running in 4K would have been a dream. Having 60 frames per second, if not more, would have been a dream. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll still buy it because of course I will. It's Metal Gear Solid. <laughs> I want to play Metal Gear Solid One in 1080p and 60 frames per second. But I'd have liked it, especially for next gen consoles, to have that extra mm. bit of a bump.
2: I wish, um, because the only one I want to... I mean, I've played them so much over the years. The only one that I really want to go back to full... That's the thing. um, You know, full screen or whatever is Metal Gear Solid 1. I don't know if they've said yet if they are actually hacking that game to make it widescreen or whether we're stuck on 4.3 or not. Because lots of, um, you know, emulator sites and um, emu deck over on the Steam Deck um, that lets you play old 4.3 games widescreen. It just hacks the, the what you visually can see and moves the hood to the side. And it's like, it's per game. But modders have figured that stuff out like for a long time now.
3: Well, here's the question. Mm. Is that
2: something you would want?
3: Yes. Is that right?
2: Yeah. Interesting. (laughs) I mean, like, for one, like, a couple of reasons. Like, one, that'd be cool to see more of that world. Like, and and you sort of reframe, if that changes any of the reframe, the gameplay parts of it, I guess the cutscenes are going to be different because they're already pre-rendered. You can't necessarily widen the, the frame. It would also change the framing fundamentally, cinematically, in a way. Um, kind of depends, like, per game, I guess. But I'm just curious. The other one is that this is 50 pounds. Yeah. Um, which is, for me, way too much money to just give me the same game again. So I would like them to attempt something different that, that justifies the price tag.
3: Because hilariously, go on. if they, say they shipped it and it was only, like, the widescreen version, I would say, you can keep it, Mr. Konami. I don't right. want that stretched across my screen. I not want to play it as it was.
2: Not stretched. Just that uh, uh, you're just seeing more of the screen. Well, if e- you're stretching it, then F up. Even then,
3: for me, I don't, I don't know. We talked other week, didn't we, about, like approaching a remaster or a port or a remake mm. and changing subtle things. I, th- I think it would be a cool option. And um, But if it was the only option, I probably would say no, because I, I think it would affect the gameplay too much, you know, because Maybe. so much of that first game is, well, I know you've got the radar, but, like, you can't see, uh, mm. like, enemies that are off screen. You can't see, like, dangers. You have True. to use that radar a lot. And I wonder if you would just have too much... Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, reconnaissance to It's
2: definitely like a per game thing like I'm just referencing emu deck stuff and emulations and steam deck and modding and whatever then it's some of the examples that people have done is like Ocarina of Time like that when you first leave uh, Kakariko Village and you see the open space that's in front of you just seeing more of that space just feels good it looks good and it works because the camera is over Link's shoulder anyway Um, but like you said in regards to this game a stealth game it's more intense it's more focused it kind of needs that limitation for it to stay focused and intense um, and still work as a stealth game
3: This is where I just Get like completely subjective and completely pretentious if I'm being honest, but I, I like the four three boxy nature of oh. MGS One Right. because I think it it gives it that like classic movie look if that makes sense, like with the black bars but down it's 4-3. the side. Yeah, but, like, so many movies are in 4.3, like, from, from the olden days. And I kind of like that that uses the cinematic conventions of 4.3 to tell its mm. story. You know, it's kind of, like, built around that, right? And uh, there's something about that where I, I think, oh, it's like settling down for an old film.
2: Yeah, I kind for me, it's it's a hope that if they did do it, they would make it work. But at the minute, um, the things that we do know is, like, the resolutions and the frame rates, like I said, the yeah. maximum being 1080p. And then the fact that we're not necessarily getting big widescreen stuff. The screenshots that they've shown of Metal Gear Solid 1 on the Master Collection uh, page yeah. are 4-3 with the big black bars. I think, so.
3: not to keep dragging on this conversation, I'm <laughs> so sorry. I'm not trying to be contrarian for the sake of it Do but it. it's i just remembered because you mentioned friends of course yes. and like they made that widescreen for the netflix oh disney plus's approach thing. and stuff yeah been horrible yeah. and obviously you know stretching out like the simpsons and b- the buffy transfer mm. is absolutely terrible the, buffy, oh, the vampire Slayer. yeah thingy. so I, I think i just have because of that from a different medium i have an inherent distrust of making things that were made for those four three televisions yeah. like widescreen
2: i think that's just why i have a, like a knee-jerk reaction to it Honestly, like, you're completely right. Like If you're taking something that fundamentally like has to be stretched or zoomed and then cropped to make it fit a widescreen, then yeah, it's always going to look bad. It's never going to be remotely um, feel authored or feel like it's genuine or whatever. Just because in gaming, and it's more unique to gaming, you have that rendered level ready to be seen more of. Um, per game, you can free that up you can just remove the black bars and free up the rendering or whatever it is um, but yeah it's kind of per game I don't necessarily think it would work with Metal Gear Solid 1 but I would just hope that if they ever attempted it they would do it right yeah it's am um, cool option find right some way to, yeah find some way to do it um, Modern Warfare 3 is still doing the rounds as just a ridiculous thing we did a little news video on, on the state of things right now but the general fan response is incredibly positive to the fact that a whole bunch of maps from the original Modern Warfare 2 yep. is all uh, being remastered and remade um, well again kind of like a port again so kind of like say, a port Modern Warfare well, you know. 3. But yeah, the basic throughline is that Modern Warfare 3, this year's Call of Duty, is one of the most threadbare, glorified DLC packs in quite some time, but everyone's loving it.
3: I can't get over it. Like, we talked about this in the podcast last week, which mm-hmm. is why I wanted to do this follow-up, even though we have done that news, which I would definitely recommend checking out. Yeah, but the further we get away from the announcement, and the more positivity I see, I see. I just feel so out of touch, <laughs> genuinely, because, you know... I think I'm, I don't know if I mentioned on the news actually, but if this was a 40 pound DLC, if it was this premium mm. DLC pack to the current Modern Warfare 2, I would be over the moon. I'd be so happy with it. I want to play these remade maps. I kind of want to see where the campaign goes next. I like the idea of open world zombies, but it yes. being a Modern Warfare 3, this being the sequel to Modern Warfare 2, and it, the multiplayer side, especially having nothing new in terms of the environments you're playing in. Uh To me, that's kind of unforgivable. If it had six remade maps even Mm -hmm. and six new maps, I'd be like, fair enough, okay? It's not as pristine and original as I want, but at least you've got something new there. The fact that the 12 original maps aren't coming until post-launch to me is proper insanity (laughs) in the fact that people don't necessarily agree with me. I feel so out of touch, genuinely. I feel uh, um... just like I'm... Because I would class myself as like a, a hardcore Call of Duty fan. Yes. It's not like I'm coming in this into this casually or anything like that. But to see other hardcore fans just be like, this is what we wanted. I just have to think. They listened. I, I just have to think like,
2: are we on the same page? <laughs> are,
3: are we I thought we were friends, are we not
2: friends? I guess like because there's always so much consternation over the maps themselves every yeah. year. There's always so much debate. There's all the camping spawns and all that stuff and just the same conversation every year and um, that may be one of the safest ways to go from an assumptive point of view is go back to some of the levels that were received the best in the past and just do that as your launch day thing and then you just get to do old thing is new again and it works well for that most casual although or just the wider fan base like you said the more hardcore response is still pretty positive yeah um so it's to me it's like it, it's an incredibly boring way to approach your launch um but incredibly boring things have worked before. So they have. That just, it just seems to be like, the whole, the wider thing with this is what I mentioned in the news video or whatever, that there's a sentiment doing the rounds that Modern Warfare 3 is the end of an era for whatever era we're in. I and mean, There needs to be more to that to clarify it. But the sentiment at the minute is that, yeah, this game will be the end of whatever sort of release cycle and, um, you know, sense and sensib- sensibilities that have created this era of Call of Duty. That's all coming to an end. And I think it's because we're segueing into a Call of Duty platform on Xbox and whatever once the deal goes through. Um, for the acquisition stuff, um, but it's just one of those things where it seems like they've just thrown things together to get over the finish line, and it kind of feels like that. I guess the campaign could make it more worth the money as we go. I doubt it because one and two have been really, really short and nothing. But yeah,
3: maybe. In, that's another thing, though, Manor. I mean, the campaign trailer, and I, uh, I saw people in the comments saying like, "Look, Josh, you've not, you've not seen, you've not played it. You can't pass judgment." But to me, standard
2: YouTube comment.
3: To me, if you have. A gameplay trailer for your new campaign mode. In the levels you're showing are from the battle royale map that you released years ago. Like not just one part of that Mm. map, but at least two parts of that map have been repurposed Mm -hmm. for the campaign mode. And on top of that, you're teasing a remix of No Russian. Uh, I just wonder what here is new. You know, I'm sure the story might be really cool, but I've played. 500 hours in Verdansk, (laughs) right? Which is the battle royale map that I just mentioned. Uh, Like I don't want to necessarily play through parts of that again, three years later, in Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3's campaign mode. It's yeah. stuff like that, where I just think, if it was, again, DLC, that would be a cool nostalgia trip, really, for something that came out, like,
2: 72 months ago. Or doing, but, like, a, like, a narrativized, like you say, one-off DLC mission on yeah. the Battle Royale map or something.
3: Yeah, if this was a, even a Modern Warfare 2 remake with all the maps, again, I'd be up for it. I'd mm. be buying it. I'd be over the moon. It is just the fact that it is this full-price sequel that I'm, uh, I'm struggling with, because, funnily enough, we mentioned in the office earlier when we weren't recording, like, how, for me, I'm a, I'm a bit over kind of mm. the core Call of Duty multiplayer anyway. I'm kind of more interested in um, bigger game modes, not only in Call of Duty, but in the likes of Battlefield as mm. well. You know, I kind of want something fresh. So the idea of buying a new game to replay those old maps that I've already done to death in game modes that I am kind of already <laughs> over and I view as a little bit outdated, like that's just, to, to me, I'll, I'll probably do it to level up my guns for Warzone, but it's not something I'm actively looking <laughs> forward to necessarily. Really- like a
2: chore, it's just sort of like, oh, I guess I'll do it. I'll put up with this repetitive grind. I'll just do the horrible thing. And I'm like, your time is worth so much more than that, Josh Brown, <laughs> as 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 is anyone else's who's listening to this, who's also gearing up for the same thing. But yeah, I guess we'll wait and see. The, um, it's one of those things where I love Call of Duty season. I love the launch weekend. I love all the general, you know, the amount of like chat there is on social media. Everyone's trying. It won't be new maps in this case, but you know, new builds, whatever it is, and uh, and getting used to things. I love all that stuff. Um, I don't know if I'm going to dive in. I've done it every year so far, um, but. This this feels like the most sort of barely there thing. Like it feels quite disposable um, at the minute. It doesn't feel like a big deal at all.
3: This is the issue, mm. right? Because it feels quite disposable if you're not in the ecosystem. Right. But the reason I'll end up buying it is because it annoyingly- you need it feels essential Mm -hmm. if you're already playing and loving Modern Warfare 2 and specifically Warzone Mm -hmm. because I know I'm going to need to level up those guns. You know, and the best way to do that is through the multiplayer, Mm -hmm. which I'm now going to have to buy to unlock. And that's kind of the frustrating thing because they've already kind of got my money because I want to continue Warzone, Mm -hmm. which is a game I really love. And I would feel at... You know, I would feel at a disadvantage if I didn't have access Mm. to the Modern Warfare 3 multiplayer suite. And I hate that they've got that in my brain. I hate that I have to think that way. And I and I almost I am judging it as an extension of Modern Warfare 2. Mm-hmm. and I'm treating it as that rather than its own thing which is I guess is what they want you but, know? but
2: I mean the, the length of time that it took them to reveal it and the, the way that it's kind of rolling out now it is almost like an afterthought it's, I'm sure it has the um, the closest amount of time between announcement and launch of a yeah. Call of Duty or something it's, yeah. it's very very close so you only got announced like last week
3: we've certainly not in the modern era seen a sub-series get a franchise uh, get, a, get a sequel this um, soon you mm. know back in the day they would alternate between Modern Warfare releases and Black Ops then it became every three years mm. Mm-hmm. this is the only time we've ever had a Modern Warfare warfare game followed by a Modern Warfare game. Yeah,
2: definitely. And I think it's also because, like, they tried with Vanguard, it didn't land, Black Ops Cold War didn't land, um, so we need to, quote-unquote, need to do the thing that is the safe bet that'll just work to end this era, close it out. Shareholders are all happy, golden parachutes left, right, and center, and then it just gets handed off to Xbox, and they just do whatever the hell they're gonna do um, in terms of the overall planning for it. Um, the next news thing down, Josh, do you like jackets? Um, I I don't mind a jacket. I love a good jacket. you know where a jacket could go? A video game console. Some it's... jackets are doing the rounds <laughs> for the Series X. And um, These are Starfield themed little jackets that you wrap them around the system. They're made of a fabric. They fold very nicely. They've got decals and stuff on them. It saves you actually putting a decal on the system itself which is what we used to do for the original Xbox back in the day if you want to customise your console.
3: You know what? I love the idea of video yeah. game jackets.
2: For $50 though,
3: <laughs> I don't know about that. Like you see, I watched before we came in here the uh, the little graphic that Xbox had made where it folds around, it it clips in what looks like via Velcro. I think it's a magnet. Magnet, that's a little bit better at least. But I kind of looked at the material there Mm. and I was thinking... That's a lot of money. That's almost a new game. You'd rather that?
2: put your money into the Metal Gear Master Collection. Annoyingly, I would. Horrible.
3: At least I like get like eight games there, though, <laughs> you know? <laughs> eight video games to play rather we than one wrap around oh, G
2: DLC. He
3: looks cool, but I think I mentioned to you again before we... There goes my phone <laughs> on the floor. The um, jacket police are in. I think I mentioned to you before we started recording, why is it always camo? You know, the Star yeah. one looks cool, mm-hmm. but I don't want gray and gray camo. Right? The Metal
2: Gear uh, Master Collection also has themed jewel uh, sensors, special edition jewel sensors coming out as well, which it does have uh, Yoji Shinkawa's artwork in the middle. Yes. But then the sides are just camo patterns again. <gasps> and I get it. It's Metal Gear Solid 3. It's camo. But it's still just camo. It's I mean, still I, just camo. I like that midnight camo you can get, where it's like, well, not, I'm not going to wear it, but like that, like blue, blue and black camo, where yeah. it's a bit more, it's like a nighttime pattern. You get it in various games and skins and stuff. I'll push to that at the most, but I don't, I still don't want it.
3: Going back to Call of Duty for a second, yeah. obviously you unlock a lot of gun camos in there, but I'm never using like the basic camos. No. Does anyone do that? Is it just me? I'm not into you know weaponry or camouflage or no. military stuff necessarily. So I don't know. I mean, obviously people are buying them because they keep making camouflage stuff, but like. In Call of Duty, I'm asking you right now, yeah. not you specifically, but also you, <laughs> um, like, is that the camo you gravitate towards, the That's stuff not, that looks like those patterns? I no, know. it would
2: never be what I would do. No. I mean, I, I hate gun customization in, in everything anyway. I never care about any of it. But it's, yeah, like in terms of like a standard pattern, I'm not going to be that bothered about it. I want to bring this up, though, because um, I remember the fond... I mean, I had... I'm going I'm going way back. Go on. I had a sticker pack for my original Xbox where I covered it in like a green lightning, and I thought it looked really, really cool. And then when I got the Xbox 360, they officially did it because you got the faceplates that you could clip on the front I had an Assassin's Creed one it was awesome PlayStation have never done any of that stuff and then with the PlayStation 5 they finally have detachable fascia plates and then they didn't do anything official for like ages now you can get them but there's only like five base colors yeah how are you not doing a Spider-Man one like how are you not doing all the tie-in Ghost Association ones or whatever and then Xbox haven't been doing anything until now so I'm hoping that between the basic colors on the PlayStation side and the um, the customized graphic stuff on the Xbox side yeah we can hybridize the two and just bring back customized consoles again
3: Well, I think we talked about this a few weeks ago, and I'm all up for it. I'm all up for more options. I'm all up for more customization. Not for 50 pounds,
2: though. You've got to do it for 10 or 15.
3: I will say, price points disregarded for a brief second. I think Xbox have always been pretty... On the ball and at the forefront when it comes to letting you customize stuff. Like I love their their ability. Their sorry, no, their suite <laughs> that allows you to completely customize the controller. Yeah, you get. man. I think that's really cool. Totally. Now they've introduced these jackets. And uh, PlayStation obviously has a different pro controller that you can get and has those mm. face plates you mentioned and definitely at this point does have different controllers, but I want more from them. Yeah. I want to go in it, like I think we mentioned this last week actually, I want mm. to go in and be able to put specific designs on a controller and then change the colour sc- scheme like you mentioned there. Yeah. You know, if you were able to get that Metal Gear print without the camo, mm-hmm. I'm in, you well, know well, yeah
2: and like overall why can't we just why when there's a new game coming out the amount of first part exclusives that they have the Ratchet and Clank the Spider-Men or whatever why are there not fascia plates at launch for them why is it months later where they do a full console one off limited edition Spider-Man thing but no one's gonna get that I someone who doesn't <laughs> have a PS5 yet or whatever I just want more fascia plates so I'm dropping that in final news item of the day is uh, the Immortals Phoenix Rising sequel that's been canned this is reported by Axios written up over on Eurogamer as well um, just saying because the game's been detailed the potential sequel has been detailed. Um, Written up, like I said, by Eurogamer, um, saying that the sequel would have ditched the original game's Greek mythology focus in favor of a setting inspired by Hawaiian Polynesian culture. Um, Also planned was a more realistic graphical style, the removal of the first game's narrator, less emphasis on puzzle solving, and the addition of a story driven by player choice, and apparently the map overall was inspired by Elden Ring, uh, crossed over with Wind Waker, but one of the ideas was a constantly surprising, expanding open world map, just like Elden Ring, which is really, really cool. Um, Ubisoft apparently were internally considering rebranding it as something different highly because obviously everything I've just reeled off there has nothing to do with Immortals, Phoenix, Rising. Yeah, they're yeah. all very different. One of the best things about Immortals was the little physics-based puzzle solving. Um, but yeah, the point is that they're not doing whatever this thing was, whether it be under a different name or a continuation of the Immortals IP or whatever um, which is a shame. I feel like I'm one of the only three people who cared about that game, but it was lush. It was a really super hyper-playable thing that just took uh, Breath of the Wild's kind of template for an open world and mix it with really satisfying physics puzzles and some of the best third-person immediate action combat Ubisoft's ever done. Yeah, Like really great finishes on the combat um, you know, encounters. You would send enemies flying in slow motion. It was just really, really cool. Yes, it was written like hell, but the rest of it was really good.
3: It's a shame. You know, I didn't play the original. Well, I played an hour of the original. You Switch, which
2: is I, bad. Good
3: on Switch. I, I always, I think it's on PlayStation Plus now, and I always Ooh. think of going back oh, to it, but so I haven't good. yet. The point is I always loved that you loved it and I always loved that it existed Mm. because in some ways, but certainly not others, it seemed like the most or least Ubisoft thing they had put out in years, especially when it came to the art style and kind of... Um, characters and the way that, like you said, they were taking inspiration from Breath of the Wild Mm -hmm. with those physics-based puzzles. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to see them do more of that. To me, this is just indicative of Ubisoft's approach to mega brands that they mentioned before. And I just worry that if you can't even get In Immortals Phoenix Rising sequel off the ground with those changes Mm -hmm. that were made there seemingly to, uh, you know, sand off the less mainstream edges of the original, like, what are we going to get? Just <laughs> Assassin's Creed games until I'm dead? I well, that's don't want to die like, in a world of Assassin's Creed, Scott. No,
2: we knew that. I mean, we definitely will because they're committing to endless decades of uh, 15 more games in production right now. But then mentioning, you know, more realistic graphics, removing the original game's narrator, which was a standout element in a bad way. It stood mm. out. It wasn't good. Okay. You noticed there was a narrator talking about everything. Um, less emphasis on puzzle solving, the addition of a story driven by player choice. That's every video game. Yeah. <laughs> like that's yeah. pretty much every video game that is in production, especially by Ubisoft. Uh, in the AAA space, um, but the overall the idea of Hawaiian Polynesian culture and a variety of different islands that you would go between sounds great. That man. sounds so good, it really does. Eh? And it's just yeah, it's one of those things where for me, Immortal's Phoenix Rising is an easy, easy recommendation to this day. Purely on the gameplay space, uh, gameplay side, it's not worth it. For the, there's barely a story. The cutscenes are they're trying way too hard to be funny. It sucks. After a while, I was skipping stuff. I was like, I don't care. Yeah. I'm not here for this at all. Um, but it's the gameplay. It's the puzzle design. It's the open world design. It's the abilities that you get. The amount of things that you unlock, it's just so much fun to play. It's perfect to play. Um, every honestly, every other few days, I think about getting the rest of the DLC because nice. I want an excuse to play more of it. Um, but like I said, I'm in a very, very, uh, very much in the minority when it comes to people who actively love this thing.
3: You just made such a high pitched noise because you I did. feel so passionate about it a little squeak, a little mousy squeak <laughs> in the corner. I just it boggles the mind that Ubisoft has all of these. Gameplay systems and franchises that people love, and they might Mm. not be the most popular things in the world, but they have a goldmine of IP that they're sitting Mm. on. Original IP in a lot of situations. Mm -hmm. But they're just doing nothing with them. I mean, how (laughs) many times have we... I'm sick of talking about Splinter Cell at this point. Oh, that's never coming back. Splinter Cell Justice, but they're just sitting on that. Prince Uh of Persia, they're sitting on... They had Ghost Recon. Well, they've got
2: Prince of Persia's coming out.
3: That is is true. They're Mm -hmm. doing the uh, Mm 2.5D one, aren't they? And then the remake, admittedly. Mm -hmm. Uh, But then they had Ghost Recon, and then they just said... This is original, and people (laughs) like it. What if it was just another Ubisoft open-world game? Rainbow Six, just whatever. yeah, 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 what if we sanded these edges off and made it with the formula that we make everything. Your Watch Dogs, your Far Cry. I can't believe how far Far Cry has fallen down in my estimations. I used to be one of my favourite franchises, and now I can't stand the sight of it. I, I need uh, it to do something new, because they're all the same, and any original thing is just snuffed out.
2: Dude, I completely agree. The them new um, Avatar game is another Far Cry skin. Exactly. It's just here you go. Have more yeah. of the same thing. Um, what was really funny when it came to Immortals, I mentioned the DLC, um, is that they had three packs, uh, three DLC packs. The third one, it was because it, it landed just after Hades had blown up so they did like a Hades style DLC but it was just like they took the camera and put it more above and it was like what if we just try and pretend this is like Hades I remember you telling me and about I was like that, oh my yeah. god Ubisoft can yeah. you just stop this <laughs> just just because the person next to you's homework's better doesn't mean you have to copy everything that's
3: the annoying thing right? Yeah. because it's always when the, that's that's
2: oh oh
3: I don't like Brody when King they up in here.
2: It's an AW Take
3: reference. it <laughs> Is that right. All these AWs. He goes,
2: oh, every now and then
3: over my head. Um, I don't mind if they want to make new IPs and have them be these trend chasing mm. things that don't really appeal to anyone. But it's when they take things that could be fresh, things that could be original, things that have unique ideas and go, what if you did those? Without the original ideas, <laughs> you put all of this other stuff in that nobody wants, and then it just plays like Watchdogs. What if
2: we sanded off all the edges, all the identifiable marks, and just made a, an amorphous husk, yeah. and you just roll it towards you and go, "We did it. We made the thing." And you go, "No, you didn't. You removed the thing," and you're pretending that it's still the thing that we actually wanted in the first place. Um, yeah, that was just a general write-up. Like I said, it was Axios who originally broke the story, but it's just—it's a shame. It was one of those things. Immortals: Phoenix Rising is one of those games where you can tell the bits that would make people run a mile, and I didn't like—I didn't like the newest Saints Row. I get. People are sick to death of Definitely. the MCU light approach to writing, and it's also in the it's in Immortals um, thingy Avium thing that's about to come out as well. Yeah, that style of writing is everywhere at the minute, um, and I get it. If you if you bounce off that, that's completely fair. In Saints Rose's case, it didn't hold up on the gameplay side. I can only recommend Immortals entirely because of the gameplay.
3: I think you know I would say again, I've not played this. I'm only going off what I've heard from mm. you and other reviews. I think um, I remember watching a Stephanie Sterling review back in the day, and they were saying like. The humor is not great, but no. it's 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 more aimed towards kids, right? Like the whole yeah. presentation and stuff. Like it's it's an open world game for as much of a younger audience as it is for diehard open world fans, right? And I think as an entry point into the franchise, something like that is cool to have because yeah. there aren't really many other games like that that kind of give you that experience outside of what Nintendo is doing mm-hmm. like in a, in a multi-platform sense I kind of want more is, like, entry it, points like that
2: yeah it literally is just what if we took because it is the Assassin's Creed or it was the Assassin's Creed uh, Origins team um, Odyssey team and it's like what if we just took Assassin's Creed and filtered it through Fortnite that's entirely mm-hmm. what it is except right. that the gameplay is incredible the rest of it is as easy access as Fortnite stuff it's all big and colorful and rounded art styles and everything else Um, but for now this has been the World Culture Gaming Podcast I've been your host Scott Tilford Owned by Josh Brown. Always a pleasure, Scotty. Always a pleasure to be heard by all of you, and we'll catch you for the UBP on Friday. See you then. Goodbye.